we want to welcome you to Warehouse Community. That was, that was planned. That was planned. That was planned. Um, and it's, it's still a little odd for me to say that because we've been living with the name and, and our world uh, for the most part on, on Saturdays would revolve around Upper Room. And uh, we talked a little bit about the, the story of that and, and how we landed where we are a few weeks back. But if you're here for the first time, guess what? You're not alone. Because we're all here for the first time. And this is our very first Saturday in this space, like Pastor Mark um, was saying. And, and it is, it is a, a temporary um, place. And what is really uh, crazy is that um, if you were here back in the, in the days of, of Deeper, um, when the seats were red and the carpet was red, um, I actually preached my very first sermon here. Um, at the Schmidt Auditorium when Pastor Danny was here. He had asked me to speak. And that is actually out on the internet. I'm not going to tell you where it is because I was actually looking back at it um, and I do not want to share my very first sermon here. But it's out there. So if you really want to find it, you can. Um, some people have seen it. My sister has access to it and she can probably probably hold it over me if um, I do anything bad. But it's out there, and um, I, I had a, that's back when, like, the, the faux hawk thing was, was like, a, a thing, and uh, a lot of gel, so um, I, I didn't look at the date. I think it was, like, 2009, um, I believe, or 2010, is 2000C, she, she watched it. 2010 is, was the last time that I was here, and uh, so it's a little bit of nostalgic for me to be back, and I'm sure for some of you um, to be back in this space, um, but this is part of what we have been talking about when we talk about rhythms. And if you've been with us, if you've been watching online or you attended, you know a little bit about what we mean when we talk about rhythms. And I'll, I'll recap a little bit before we get into what we're going to talk about today. Um, but our prayer for you is, and for ourselves, is that this space serves you well, it serves us well. And at the very end of it all, we hope to encounter God in whatever space that we occupy, but specifically for this season, we hope that you encounter God in a different way here. We pray that for us, we pray that for you, and that we pray that you are challenged and changed when you leave this place. Next week, um, we won't be here, and again, that's going back to the rhythms. Um, if, you, if you've been following, if you saw the signs outside, and we'll have cards, but... Um, part of our Saturday rhythm, Sabbath rhythms, is the third Sabbath of the month we will be gathering in round tables. Um, we will still have music and, and worshiping together during our sermon time. We're going to make you guys have some conversations with each other. Um, and and that's, that's the beautiful thing about round table, about community, is we, wanna, we want to explore that together and what that looks like. And I can't tell you the amount of stories that come out of people when you just sit and have a conversation with them. You don't even know what's happening to the person. You may not know what's happening to the person sitting right in front of you or directly across, and I don't know how it works here with how we're spaced out. But there are stories that are untold that if you actually got to know them, they would blow you away, and we could see what God is doing in each and every one of our lives. And that's part of what we hope to accomplish next week. So every other week, um, we will be here in this space the third Sabbath of the month, we will be 
um, back in the Upper Youth Center. So if you miss the Upper Youth Center, we will be there at least for one uh, Sabbath a month. So we've been exploring this question, what is church? And if this is the first time that you've heard that question, I'm challenging you to find out for yourself, explore with us what it is that you use to, to define church. How do you define that? Is it a physical space? Is it a, is it a gathering? Is, is this what you define as church? If you were to walk into an elevator with somebody and someone asked you, what is church? What would be your elevator speech? This past year, every religious organization, I bet, asked this question because everything that we knew as true, as, as routine, got completely dismantled and we began to ask the question, what really is church if we can't gather here every week and have the people that we'd like to have to come? And for a while there we weren't meeting at all, then how do we define church? So we made a commitment to ourselves, to Warehouse Community, to Forest Lake Church, to begin to answer that question together. And where it has led us to is to the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, you can open up there. And um, two weeks ago, we started digging into Acts 1. And we're going to pick it up today in verse, verse 4. And just to recap quickly, this is Jesus' very last moments on earth. He's giving final instruction to his disciples as to what they are to do next. And we're going to sit in this, this space for a little bit and explore what that actually meant for them. So he's giving them final instruction. They're asking a lot of questions. There's a lot of anxiety happening with the disciples. And, and here we are picking it up in verse 4, Acts 1 verse 4. And it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with a water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around and they, and they around and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, going back to what they have been taught, they're, they're re referencing this specific moment as this could be when he actually restores the kingdom of Israel. And he says to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates of the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. We explored this two weeks ago of what that looks like. In all of Judea, in Jerusalem, starting in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid from him. From, from their sight. So we're back. Jesus giving, again, final instruction. Israel, the, the, the disciples are confused. They don't know. They're, is this where, where Jesus restores the kingdom of Israel? What's happening next? Because everything that they have known up until this point is going to be stripped from them. Their leader, the person who they gave up everything for, is now going to heaven. And they're hoping that this ends quickly because they do not want to wait. 
And this is exactly what Jesus is commanding them to do. For the last three years, Jesus was it. He was everything for them. He walked with them. He ate with them. He preached with them. He invested in them. And now he's leaving. And he, he hints at this. And he, it isn't the first time that they hear this or they know that it's coming, but they really don't know what exactly it's going to look like. And this is such a defining moment, the book of Acts and Acts 1, for the church because this is the instruction that he gives his disciples to give to the church to move forward and to fulfill what he came to do. The one truth, the one thing that they knew was going to be taken. He was going to leave. And then he tells them, you have to wait. So not only is it bad enough that he's going to leave, but now he says, be patient, live in this stillness. Waiting. The idea of waiting. We don't like to wait. We don't practice that often in our world today. I had a friend. His name was, uh, his, his, actually I'll leave his name out because we're just going to do that. Um, and he actually sold me uh, the car that I'm driving today. And this was about four years ago. And we make this deal, but we have to go to the DMV to actually get the title, if I'm remembering it correctly. And he has to get um, the title released, but I have to pay for it. So we go together. We make an appointment. We get there. And we're having to wait a very long time. If you've ever been to the DMV, you know how painful this can be alone. The seats aren't comfortable. I feel like there's lights out every time I go. They're flickering. It's just, it's just not a pleasant experience. If you work at the DMV, I'm sorry, but that's just been my experience. When I've been, that was my experience back then. And so here I am with my friend. Uh, actually, at the time, he was an acquaintance. We had just kind of met and you know, when you, when you kind of meet somebody, like awkward silence is even more awkward. And so here I am for two hours trying to figure out what am I going to talk about with this guy who I, I hardly know at the time. We're, we're now a lot better friends. And I'm trying to fill the space with, with topics, with discussion. And I'm like, this needs to end because I'm getting really uncomfortable trying to entertain this guy for two hours. Um, and it, we, we still had to grab a ticket, even though we made a, a reservation um, online, only to when we get our, our number called, we go up there, he did not have all the paperwork that he needed. So we had to come back. And I said, I have to do this all over again. Luckily, he didn't need me this, that, that next time, and, and we, we sorted it out. But we waited this entire time, and we were not ready when our number was called. We don't live in a world that allows us to exercise the gift of waiting. My daughter Adeline, I know she's here somewhere, she doesn't like to wait. When she wants to play, when she wants to eat, oh there she is, oh hey. When she wants to eat, when she wants to play, when she wants to do something, she does not like to wait, and she puts on the face. 
Isla, my, my two-month-old, a little over two months, she'll let you know when she's hungry. She'll let you know when, when she needs a diaper changed. And just recently, I think she discovered how to use her lungs, a different space of her lungs, and it is like, I mean, my ears. But from the, from the birth, from, since we are birthed, we don't like the idea of waiting. It makes us uncomfortable. We get impatient. But waiting requires things of us that are not natural. It requires us to practice patience. It requires faith. In the spiritual realm, it requires us to have faith in God and knowing that in this waiting, something is going to happen. And everything moves constantly. Amazon does not help the idea of waiting. Same day delivery, overnight, whatever it is, you can get it so fast. And that is the world that we live in. It's moving constantly. And at some point you think the wheels are just going to fall off. But we don't practice it well. Some of us, at a particular age, we, we think about the good old days. While the others, out of, of another age, think about the someday. The idea of, of waiting sometimes makes us un, so uncomfortable that we want to look at what was or what is going to come. But in this waiting, when we are waiting, we have to prepare ourselves. Waiting properly, waiting the way God wants us to wait, requires of us to lay the groundwork and prepare ourselves for what is coming and be okay in that uncomfortable zone of waiting. So, some of us talk about the good old days. Oh, back in whenever it was, things weren't this way. Life was much better. Back then, this. Some of us say, one day I'm going to marry the person of my dreams. One day I'm going to be a millionaire. One day I'm going to own Tesla. Whatever the case may be. We talk about aspirations. And sometimes we do it because living in the now is just too painful. Dealing with the reality of where we're in is just too much to bear, and it makes us uncomfortable. And this is the moment that Jesus is telling his disciples, you may feel uncomfortable, you may not like what's happening right now, but I'm asking you to wait. It could have been easy for them to look back and say, but man, it was so good when you were walking the earth with you, and we were watching you teach and do all this amazing stuff, and I don't want to live in this very moment because I feel uncomfortable. I'd rather talk about what was and what is going to come and not talk about the what is. Particularly in this passage of Acts, Jesus is saying to wait upon what? The Holy Spirit. This is the introduction. The book of Acts is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at everything that he does and the power behind what happens when the Holy Spirit enters this space. You see, we, had, we have phases. We have God coming into the world, the very beginning of, of Scripture. And then phase two, Jesus comes, and now we're entering phase three, and we're still in phase three, and watching the work of the Holy Spirit unfold. And here in the book of Acts, we're watching that happen for the very first time. So Jesus says, before 
You can build upon the cornerstone that Pastor Mark talked about last week. And, and uh, where's Jason? He's in here somewhere. He explained to all of us who don't know what a cornerstone is. Before you can build upon that cornerstone, you, have, you must wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The book of Luke also alludes to this in, in Luke 24, 48, and 49. He says, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay and wait in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So here it is. This is, this is what we know. Waiting. When God calls you to wait. When God called his disciples to wait. It was for the empowerment for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses this idea of waiting in John 11 with Lazarus. And you see Martha, she is just too occupied in dealing with the present that she just, she says, one day Lazarus will be raised. And this is, she's jumping into the future because dealing with her present situation is just too painful. And in this moment, Jesus is attempting to teach a lesson. He could have done, raised Lazarus immediately, but he waits. And in this waiting, he's equipping these individuals to be a witness. The reason for waiting is for the receiving of the Spirit so that we can ultimately be a witness. And now, now we're getting somewhere. We're starting to look at what Jesus is trying to create in building the church when he leaves and he, he, he gives the disciples these, these tools and, 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 and these essentials that they need to carry on his gospel, it requires waiting and working of the Holy Spirit. It requires witnessing from the people of God so powerful that a generation after generation continues to talk about the work that God has done in their lives. The disciples wanted so badly to go back. And Jesus says, you have to wait. Be still. Be still because something is coming. And it may not have made sense to them. It probably didn't. And I'm sure that they were, they were scrambling. But they were faithful to the commandment that he gave them. He commands them to be still because something great is coming. Jesus was their reason. He was their source. That was who they were witnessing. And it got stripped away. He ascends to heaven and they ask, now what? Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is coming. You don't even know the work that he's going to do in your lives, but he's coming and I'm asking you to be patient. God is in the waiting. You know, sometimes there is action in no reaction. We tend to take upon things on our own, matters into our own hands, when God just calls us to be still. Jesus says, I am. And, and the word, that, that phrase we can unpack a lot. But the phrase I am is, is confusing to some, but he is timeless. He is avail his availability is limitless and he exists out of space and time. He is the God of your now. 
the command that he gives them to wait was to raise their expectations of something great. One author says this, and something very great they had reason to expect from their exalted Redeemer. They must wait till the appointed time, which is now not many days. Those by faith and hope promised mercies will come, will come, must with patience wait until they do come, according to the time, the set time. Verse 8 talks about the command that he tells them to wait in Jerusalem. And we ask, why, why would Jesus choose Jerusalem? And I, I, love a good, I love a good movie where like the good guy gets his payback at the end. One of the most famous ones is probably Rocky that you guys have seen. Experiencing defeat, down in the trenches, come back, comes back and gets his victory. So why Jerusalem? Well, I did a little digging and I, I found out that Golgotha is in the vicinity of Jerusalem. The same place that Christ was put to shame would be the same place honor would be due to him. The same places where he says, you thought I lost, will be the place that births victory. That same place where I experience defeat will be the birthing place where we shake nations, where the wor my word becomes life. The place where I experience death will be the beginning of life. So he says, start in Jerusalem, get this house in order, and then move. Jesus does nothing without intention. There's reasons for everything that he does, things that he asks of us, even if they don't make sense at the time. We must be patient in our waiting. We don't serve a random God. Every single move he makes is with purpose and intentionality. And it's okay. Sometimes we don't ask why God enough. I'm not here to, be, to vouch to try to cover up for God. I challenge you to ask why God in your moments of waiting when things don't make sense. But what the disciples would discover is that it was worth the wait. They'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They would be cleansed and purified with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He says, you shall hereby be more effectually than ever engaged to your master and to his guidance. You will be baptized in Israel. Israel was baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And you shall be tied so fast to Christ that you shall never for fear of any sufferings, forsake him as you once did. This was the result for waiting upon the Spirit. Waiting is in our DNA. If you consider you call yourself an Adventist, we wait upon his second coming. It's what we do. But some of us have used that as an excuse to simply sit and do nothing. We say, Jesus is coming, so I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait and do nothing in my waiting. That's not the kind of waiting that Jesus is talking about. Look how it turned out for us in 1844. We set the date. We sat on a rock. We looked up till midnight. Nothing happened. It is in our DNA to wait but not the kind of waiting that we think we're supposed to be doing. 
We know the parable of the sower. Here's the thing. I can be up here and preach the greatest sermon of my life. The greatest sermon you've ever heard. It probably is not going to happen, but I can. Pastor Mark can be up here and preach the greatest sermon of his life, and it may not make a dent in your spirituality unless you're prepared to receive and you're waiting. You see, when you throw seeds on soil, it isn't going to grow if the soil is not ready for that seed to grow. So how you wait matters. And things may be confusing for you and out of control, but that that isn't an excuse to sit and do nothing. Jesus is perfect. He is awesome and wonderful and righteous all in the same breath. God's constancy stabilizes our inability to remain perfect within our inconsistent lives. And the fact that he is the same yesterday and today and the rest of our lives tells me that we can trust him with our here and now. But we have to be ready for when our ticket is called to receive what he is trying to give us. In the book of Acts, it was the Holy Spirit. And I believe every time we enter this place, he's ready to give us the Holy Spirit. But what are you doing in your waiting? If you're waiting on the second coming, if you're waiting on the second advent, what are you doing to prepare the hearts of yourself, of your community, of those around you? It doesn't just mean sitting on the couch and waiting for the the return of your Lord and Savior. Things need to be done. Here's the beautiful thing, though. The waiting, it doesn't last forever. For the disciples, they were told to wait and they go into an intense season of prayer for 120, for with 120 people. And as a result, 3,000 people become baptized. That is the power of the Spirit. That is why we wait upon Him so that we receive the power that we need to go out and be witnesses. This is what we talked about two weeks ago. We are all called to witness the glory and the power of our Creator, God. And even though we're uncomfortable and even even though things don't make sense, this is what we do. We take action and no reaction. So what is church? Well, I don't have the answer completely. This is why we're on at least a year-long journey exploring that. The reason why we're in this space, Pastor Mark said it, we're waiting. We're in a season of waiting for something else. But there is things to do in this waiting that God still wants us to be faithful to. So what is church? And I wish I could give you the full answer. But here's what I know so far. Church is having the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's doing things that whatever you need to do to prepare your heart to receive that. So that when we see God at the end, we have the power to be witnesses. You see, it's easy to see God in the very beginning and in the end. But where he's most real is in the tension. In the middle. That is where he wants to do a miracle 
in your life. You know, we ask, we, we, we tend to ask God to make a miracle in our life. And I've said this before. We say, God, make a miracle in my life. But rarely do we put ourselves in a position for God to make a miracle in our life. We want things, the door, the pathway to be clear. We want to see the beginning from the end. When sometimes God asks us to be faithful in the unknown. So this is what we know, church is the presence of our of the Holy Spirit. It's putting ourselves in an uncomfortable season of stillness with the intention of receiving. Church is becoming a witness through the waiting and the anticipating of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I this is what I know. He is the God of yesterday. He is the God of our anticipation. He is the God of the advent. And more importantly, he's the God of your now. And he wants to work in your life right now. And I don't know if 2020 made you more anxious about 2021 or what that did to you, but we all have questions. We all have uncertainty. And God wants to be there through it all. And he's asking you, while you wait, while things don't make sense, open your heart to receive what I have to give to give you the miracle that I want to do in your life. How are you preparing your heart for the miracle that God wants to do in your life? There is power in your patience. The Holy Spirit is the power in your patience. And its blessings are worth the wait. Father God, Lord, as we continue to anticipate the good things that you are going to do in our lives, whether things don't make sense, God, we look to your word and we see the things that you did when we waited. When the disciples waited, God, you brought the Holy Spirit and you did great things and still you will do great things today. We believe that Warehouse Community, God, will be a place where great things are achieved but we must be willing to sit in the unknown, in the discomfort of our present, in the here and now. And God, in this moment, we ask for your spirit to pour out in our lives. And there may be some here who are really confused, scared, stumbled here on accident, maybe in were invited by a friend, but God, I pray that those hearts are open to receive the gift that you have to give. God, we know that there is power in our patience and there's power in the spirit. And for that, we thank you. And we anticipate that you will do good things in our lives. Even though the world may be falling apart around us, God, we prepare. We prepare for your second coming. We prepare for what you are going to do in this space. We open this room, we open our hearts to receive your spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen.